0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced and recorded in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. In episode number 103 of Teaching Matters, we heard from Dr. Jeffrey Partridge about place-based education programs in the city of Hartford, Connecticut. His initiatives capitalized on assets of a larger metropolitan area, but... What if you live in a more rural environment? Today, we will be learning about place-based education through a program in the Grand Teton area of Idaho and Wyoming to illustrate the opportunities of place-based education in rural areas. In our studio today, we have four guests. The first guest is Josh Klayman from the Teton Science School. He's a faculty member there and also Director of Development. Also, I have with me Dr. Scott Seaman, who is Dean of the Ohio University Libraries and also represents the Ohio Fellows Program. Program, which we'll be learning about. I also have two students in the studio, Brendan Hogan and Delaney Dixon. Both of them are students at Ohio University who were part of the Ohio Fellows Program. So, the great thing about this lineup is we get to learn sort of from stem to stern about place based education from a faculty member's perspective, um, from the person that's really coordinating that, and also the students. And that's something um, that's really unique for um, a discussion like this. So, I'd like to start, um, first of all, by welcoming all four of you to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank
1: you. Thanks for
0: having you. us. Um, Scott, I would like to start with you um, so that the listeners can kind of understand um, sort of the intersection of all of these things coming together. First off, what is the Ohio Fellows program and what is it you're trying to accomplish educationally with
2: students um, like Brandon and Delaney? Sure. Thanks, Scott. Um, the Ohio Fellows have a very long history at Ohio University. It was The program was started in 1964 under then-President Vernon R. Alden, for whom our library is named. And the program was less a traditional academic scholarship program and more of a leadership development program. Uh, Dr. Alden at the time uh, charged Les Rollins with identifying students who were academically solid but showed potential for extraordinary leadership. And so a combination of leadership potential, passion for a certain uh, subject, and academic uh, excellence all went into identifying those students. In 2012, thanks to some uh, generosity of some fellows alum, we were able to restart the program with those same values and one of the things that was – we carried over from the previous program was the idea of internships being incredibly important as an experience for each one of these students. Uh, We've had the program, like I said, since um, 2012, approximately 100 students have now been through the experience, and we've seen a lot of success. And uh, approximately, how many students are in the program? Right now, in the original program that went from 1964 to about 1970, a little over a hundred went mm-hmm. through. And with our current program, we've also had just about a hundred go through the program. It's about 24 a year. And so
0: it's fair to say that as you've developed the uh, the programming for the Ohio Fellows. The Grand Teton Science School has recently become a part of that programming. Is that a fair... It's an important part of it now. good transition point then. Maybe, Josh, if you could talk about, first of all, just what the Teton Science School is. Maybe talk about what it is that your mission is and, and what the activities are that you use to accomplish that mission.
3: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, having us all here, first and foremost. Uh, I always like to start from a historical context because I think it helps to put it into perspective. Uh, we're a nonprofit education organization that started in 1967. We started with a, a local high school science teacher who worked in, in, uh, in the Jackson Hole area, and he believed that uh, teaching science indoors in the Jackson Hole area was a was a missed opportunity to really engage students. So he he brought a, a group of 12 students out into Grand Teton National Park and and Yellowstone and the surrounding wild areas to teach teach about that place and to teach about science. and And what he found is that students were super engaged. It was it was life changing for a lot of students. And so that core idea that place place based education can really transform students' lives and and be transformative in terms of educational experience is our core mission to be be able to bring place-based education to students and, and in doing so to inspire in students curiosity to inspire in them, engagement in their learning, and and also to develop leaders, people who understand their communities and want to impact positive change in their communities. And so so we've been doing this work for 50 years. Um, uh, We we do it in a couple of of different ways. We we focus on field-based learning, like like Ted Major, our founder, started in 1967. And we do that for students as young as as two years old. Our oldest participant last year was 97 Mm -hmm. years old. um, And we do it for uh, for all sorts of different uh, program partners, Ohio University being a great example of, of a program partner and a deep partnership that we've developed. We, we run a couple of independent schools, so we run a pre-K through 12th grade school in Wyoming and a pre-K through 8th grade school in, in Idaho, and then we, we train, we, we, we develop educators and leaders in the field. So those are the three things we do, field education, classroom education, and, and educator development, all around this idea of place-based education, that if we look at the ecology, the economy, the cultural aspects of a place, we make that the root of learning, that learning becomes... Uh, more engaging and transformative for students. Um, this this uh, this model we've been doing for a while, and then in uh, 2015, uh, one of our emeritus board members, Ralph Haberfeld, who is an alumni of the Ohio Fellows Program and of Ohio University, uh, in 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 vision had this idea to bring good people together to have a conversation of what might be possible. Uh, Ralph and Louise sat on our board for years; they're emeritus board members, and and as uh, as uh, alumni of this institution, he saw an opportunity to bring these institutions mm-hmm. together. And it was it was a great conversation that started. Um, and what we envisioned was bringing students out to Teton Science Schools for a week, embedding in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem to learn about that place. And in doing so teach meaningful lessons about leadership. That was the uh, initiation of the partnership with the Ohio Fellows Program and Teton Science Schools years ago. We brought uh, students out for the first time. I think it was in May of 2016, mm-hmm. Delaney, when you were out there for okay. the first time. And, uh, and we've been doing it since.
0: Very good. And, and I, I read in your annual report that you had over 15,000 students nationally that... Participated in your programs last year. So yeah. Sort of talk about scope.
3: Yeah, in terms of scope of programming, we started with twelve students in nineteen sixty seven, uh, and and it looks like this year we'll approach sixteen thousand students in terms of wow. uh, students that we impacting,
0: uh, students and teachers that we're impacting and working with. Great. So let's let's turn to our student panelists. So Delaney, did you see any bears?
1: Bears. Yeah. Um, I definitely saw more moose. <laughs> I remember walking from the dining hall back to my cabin. There was a moose just right there, and I was just so in awe of it. And I forgot to be scared of it. But
0: and how long? So you were out there for a week. Is that right? Yeah, I was. So, so can the two of you kind of talk about like what a, a typical day was like when you were there?
4: Um, yeah, I just want to say that I I did see a bear on my trip <laughs> uh, a year later. Um, so it was you know the Friday of finals week, and then three days later we were waking up in a converted dude ranch right next to the Tetons. Um, So having that transition of uh, finals week to that was amazing. Um, (laughs) So a typical day was getting up at probably around 6.30. um, It might have been six. It was definitely very early. um, And then going to the uh, dining hall, eating breakfast, And then at the dining hall, packing uh, to-go lunch, it was just sandwiches, Um, and going on these hikes and just learning about the environment and just going to these places and being asked, um, you know, what do you see? And why is this place like this? And then just being there and thinking about um, all the factors that went into it. And then, you know, having the expertise of the Teton Science School uh, really explain to us what's going on and um, and then we got back. Maybe had a break around uh, five o'clock, and then at night we would have these um, sessions of just reflection. Um, what we wanted to do uh, in our life, um, you know, what we learned that day, and then kind of just a transition um, to what we'd be learning about the next day. So that was that was um, my day in the yeah. Tetons.
1: Mine was pretty similar. Um, Like you said at the end, a nice reflection about everything that we did that day because we did do so much. And, um, you know, sometimes it didn't even feel like we'd been hiking for six hours or so just because it was so much fun and they made, like, the learning place based. And I think it's so important because when you're a student, sometimes you're in a classroom staring outside the window thinking, wow, I'd love to be outside, or I'd love to be doing this. So to be able to hike these mountains to the lake or sit in the sagebrush and, like, learn about all these things, it doesn't make it feel so much like learning. Um, It just makes you feel like all these things like leadership, compassion, like, Trees, fire ecology, like it just becomes so much more intrinsic to your lifestyle because mm-hmm. you're out there. And so when you get back, you're like, wow, I'm tired. I've been hiking all day at the same time. Like you're not really tired. You know what I mean? Like you feel very fulfilled about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how my day went too.
0: I forgot to ask what are, what are the major, what are your two majors?
1: Um, my major is global studies, war and peace. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also doing a focus in Russian area studies right now.
4: Uh, and I major in accounting finance and business pre-law. So,
0: so neither of you are majoring in what I would call the natural sciences. Even, really, not even remotely close no. to that. Yeah, no. So, so how how do you when you're in an experience like that, as you said, Delaney, sitting in the sagebrush? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you pull learning content out of that? Given that you know this is sort of a more I don't know if I would call it scientifically oriented, but you're out in the wilderness, and mm-hmm. it's it's not global studies and war and peace, and you're mm-hmm. not learning Russian language, and you're not learning accounting. So. How do you draw and extract information from those experiences that are relevant for you even though this experience seemingly doesn't have much of a connection? I'm sure we'll debate that in a little bit, but
4: but h- how do you draw meaning from that? Um, yeah, so I, I think it was presented um, really nicely for one. Um, so we were talking about systems thinking and of how maybe, you know, we don't worry you know in accounting, we don't have to worry about the uh, microbiology of a forest, um, but we do have to worry about how things interact with each other so that the framing of it not really maybe not as so science and environment driven but more framed as a this is a system, um, there are things here that interact with each other and that affect each other um, and then that can transfer over to leadership. Um, so that's kind of how I extracted.
1: Yeah, I definitely think I got the same, like the gist of what you're saying with mine and also with me. Um, I really do think like being out in nature and the science, like it doesn't have to be microbiology, but it is all kind of intertwined and the things you do in everyday life. And for me, perspective was probably the one I got the most because, I know one of the things we did was about like really looking at something and being observant and being compassionate and seeing where it interlocks and stuff like that. And for me as a international relations slash um, political science major, like perspective is very important to me. And I think um, especially me being as someone who grew up in a city to go to Wyoming, I'd never been west of Ohio. um, (laughs) It was really interesting for me because I realized how much I loved it and like this new perspective kind of just gave me a more well-rounded worldview about, like, science and nature Mm -hmm. and also about politics. And all the information I took from it, like, I've applied to Mm -hmm. everything I do with my major.
0: Josh, coming back to you, you all are very intentional about using systems thinking as a way of framing what goes on so do you want to kind of elaborate on what we heard from uh, Brandon and Delaney about you know sort of what their takeaways was and how that's reflective of really what it is that you all try to do when when groups come out to work with you
3: yeah sure so, so from an educational framework standpoint uh, we have three things that we focus on our, our educational approach which is which is place-based uh, intentional intentional culture which is thinking about the values that we bring to our learning communities and, and then uh, community leadership principles how do we develop in our students uh, leadership that is applied to community impact and one of the principles that we talk about often is this idea of creating leaders who and helping to mentor leaders who are systems thinkers. Uh, For us, when when we were able to program in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem ecosystem is amazing. Your first question I I thought was really profound. Did you see a bear, right? (laughs) And and I think it's profound because uh, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem is the largest intact temperate zone ecosystem in in the world. And and so the opportunity for us to leverage that space and that place for meaningful engagement is is really exciting. Um, And and so when, when you enter into that ecosystem and start to understand Understand the parts, how they interconnect, how they're interdependent, how there are leverage points within that ecosystem that you can uh, maybe not see if you're entering into it for the first time, but just with a little bit of uh, a knowledge, you can start to see those leverage points like a beaver and how a beaver might fundamentally change. That mm-hmm. ecosystem, even though it's a small critter in the part of the greater whole, uh, all those pieces are things that you can tangibly see, feel, experience, and have a direct impact to how we can think about systems thinking from social context. Mm-hmm. Right when we when we, when you both are out uh, in in the world leading in in your respective fields right how do you understand the interconnections and the interdependence that exists within the businesses or social systems that you're working with what are leverage points to Im- impact positive change and then uh, we have a fire ecologist Kevin who works with us that you both had a chance to work mm-hmm. with and and I, I tell you walking through a, a forest that burned 15 years ago and seeing uh, the resilience that exists within natural systems and then to be able to talk about uh, what resilience can look like within human systems Mm -hmm. and how that's Mm -hmm. important from a leadership perspective, I think there are great lessons to be learned in the context of of being out in the land and learning in place.
0: Scott, turning back to you, um, how many students in a typical year from Ohio University will be experiencing um, this um, program?
2: We typically have about... um 12 students per cohort uh, in the fellows and uh, depending on the cohort, uh, perhaps half will be able to Mm -hmm. attend the Teton Science School. Others will attend different kinds of experiences Mm -hmm. also, um, all similarly structured in which you have uh, students from diverse backgrounds, diverse majors. All put in situations that are challenging, whether Mm -hmm. it's in West Virginia doing some flood relief or whether it's staring down a bear uh, (laughs) as an accounting major Uh or (laughs) or contemplating the impact of a beaver uh, on an ecosystem.
0: What what, what are the logistical challenges that crop up when you're trying to transport – let's say seven students from athens ohio to jackson hole wyoming to participate in this how do you overcome those logistical challenges um you know for people that would you know be sitting out there and think this would be a cool thing but i could never pull it off how did
2: we pull it off well, we have a lot of dedicated staff and some dedicated faculty who are participating in the fellows program that make these kinds of things work. And you're absolutely right. It's astonishing amount of behind the scenes negotiating with, you know, not only the uh, transportation companies, but the university administration and university financial, financial systems to make these things work. Um, but at the same time, those are necessary for these kinds of experiences to happen. Uh, it's not so, uh, something uh, necessarily the students would know about, would see, um, but it happens with every single one of their experiences. Mm-hmm. Josh, when um, OU um, – I, I know that
0: we, we had a great opportunity where an alumnus um, of our institution and, and your um, board sort of brought us together and formed that relationship. Mm-hmm. When, when you start a relationship with a new university that's going to become a partner, how long does that take to sort of flesh out and, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to envision what, what are the possibilities that people that want to do something like come to the Teton Science School with a group of students, how does that work sort of when you're setting that up as a relationship?
3: Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes we find that there's uh, there's a, an individual who brings uh, folks together from different different institutions to start conversations about mm-hmm. what might be possible. So I think this partnership with, uh, with the Ohio Fellows Program is a great example of bringing folks together who have shared mission and vision in terms of impacting the lives of students. Uh, in terms of how long it takes to initiate some of these projects, uh, sometimes it can be years in the making and sometimes it can turn pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can imagine, there are uh, the logistical challenges. There's a uh, financial, financial aspects of program creation that are real. And then, and then, uh, where, where it gets, uh, interesting is, is the curriculum development. How do we, how do we develop an experience that's meaningful for students when they come out to Grand Teton National Park and the surrounding wildlands and, and make that relevant when folks return back to Athens? Mm-hmm. That's something we really believe. And I've, I have a mentor of mine who used to say, uh, and I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, she used to say that, uh, all places are special or no places are special, right? This idea that, well, I, it's my home, Grand Teton National Park, Jackson Hole, it's a wonderful place. And being here for the last three days, this is a beautiful, wonderful place with rich learning opportunities. How do we allow for experiences that happen in Grand Teton National Park to transfer back to Southeast Ohio and be mm-hmm. meaningful here? And so when we develop curriculum, those are some of the things that we think about. What's the transferability of an experience and northwestern Wyoming back to southeastern Ohio.
0: Yeah. I guess it's worth mentioning that the reason why we're blessed to have you in the studio today is that you and two of your colleagues came out to take part in a place-based learning workshop um, here on the OU campus. And so it's great to have you here in person rather than by telephone. But that's an example, I think, of what you're saying is that those experiences can have you know residual positive impacts when you start to say okay we've had great experiences with our students now let's try to talk about this on a more Broad level, you know, with the entire university.
3: Yeah, and what's possible? What's possible here? We were just mm-hmm. having breakfast with a with a professor this morning who's doing unbelievable place based learning in this ecosystem and and in these communities, and that's really interesting and inspiring to think about um, what's happening within the Ohio University faculty mm-hmm. and within the surrounding communities that is impacting the lives of students in really meaningful ways and impacting the community in really meaningful ways.
0: Yeah, we had a great. Um, in fact, we had a great meeting yesterday afternoon about. Um, collaborating with a local nonprofit called Rural Action in, in the Wayne National Forest. And you're right. I mean, there are so many exciting opportunities here in Athens. And it's not that we're not leveraging those, but I think the discussion yesterday made me think that we could do a much better job of having that be an intentional strategy um, that, that we talk about and narrate for potential students coming here. Uh, Brandon, um, so let me get back to you. Um, and, and Delaney, you can pipe in after Brandon answers okay. the question. Um you participated in this program. How long ago? Like what year was it?
4: Um, this was last summer in May. Oh, last
0: summer. So, but you've been back in Athens in your accounting classes where you have not encountered bears, probably. Yes. But <laughs> c- can you think of any examples of where you know your experience as a student back in a traditional classroom setting, mm-hmm. where you thought, "Wow, this relates to what we talked about in you know the Teton." Uh, experience last summer. I mean, are are you starting to see connections like that?
4: It's been really prevalent in my economics and finance classes. Mm -hmm. When you think about with stock trading, it's just staying in the the mindset of systems thinking for me. Yeah. Delaney?
1: Um, Yeah, I think Josh brought up a good point about the leverage points. Um, As someone who deals with political science a lot, I mean, that's such a big part of it like with linchpin states and different actors and especially with leadership um like me personally being an intentional leader and being cognizant of everyone else who's interacting because I think one thing I learned is that being a good leader isn't about just kind of taking it upon yourself and like barking out orders it's about dealing with everyone in a very uh compassionate manner and being aware of different situations and like how does this person affect this situation? How do I affect it, etc. Um, so I think as a student, that helps me because it helps me understand the topic more as someone who does interact with the community in Athens and outside of it. Um, I actually just moved back from Russia in December, and I think a lot of the systems thinking I learned in Wyoming was very prevalent mm. as a foreigner in a different country and trying to be aware of my position and what I was doing and how it affected people who I have no idea what their lifestyle is like, Mm because I've never lived there or had been in situations they have. Um, So yeah, I am always very aware of the systems thinking and the leverage points and that leadership aspect um, I got from the Teton Science Schools. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very beneficial for me personally.
0: Josh, when I hear them, uh, narrating this, it strikes me that this type of learning experience at some point becomes very individualized. Yeah. You know, where a student is is drawing their own takeaways from it, relating it to their own materials. D- do you all, when you have a group there for a week, have the opportunity to start to, start to see that and leverage sort of that individualized? take away? Um, because it struck me that their answers were very good and that they are drawing the connections. Does that start, you know, during the, the week-long experience itself?
3: Yeah, and I can't remember who, who mentioned it, but the idea of, of creating a, a space for meaningful reflection mm-hmm. is part of the program and part of something that we work into the program. This idea that um, there's content that's learned while, while we're, well, that from the curriculum we've created together. And there's also just the reality of uh, sitting on top of the hill uh, outside definitely. of campus, looking across Jackson Hole with the Tetons to the, to the west and, and having quiet space for reflection uh, and, and trying to go through a meaning-making process individually. Right. Uh, I think for all of us as individuals, as leaders in our, in our communities and in our, in our organizations, that's really important. And I, I think we, we try to create that space in the context of the programs that we create so that Mm -hmm. that there is meaning making that's individualized we all have the our our different paths in terms of how we might uh, apply these learnings in our in our in our school settings and our organizational settings and our leadership roles um and figuring out uh, having time and space to figure that out i think is really important And we intentionally create that time and space as we as we make program program decisions and i think it's also just part of the ohio fellows program more broadly, this is just a week in the context of this amazing experience that these students are able to have mm-hmm. as as part of this Ohio Fellows experience and program. I think that's really important. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I was, Oh, sorry, if you don't mind. I was nope. just going to say um, one thing I wanted to say is I think that was the most important part of the trip for me was how after each activity we had moments of self-reflection because I think it's important to learn those things. But if you're not able to sit down and we had journals that we would write in and self-reflect and become very intra-perspective like per- perspective about how we can take it and use it and stuff like that, then the learning's not really worth it unless you get to do that and sit mm. down. And I mean, I still have the journal. I, two years later, still look through it sometimes if I'm thinking about it or if I'm thinking man, how can I get back on the track of systems thinking and stuff like that? So I personally think for me that was the most important part of the entire trip.
0: And isn't it notable how so few quote-unquote real classes actually give you a chance to reflect on yeah. what's going on?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's something that should definitely be pushed a little bit more in the inside classroom setting. Yeah, um, yeah.
4: yeah, that's uh, that's
0: homework. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Scott, um, coming back to you, um, you know, as I, as I hear our, our other three guests talk, it strikes me that what students pull out of a, of, of a program like this, and I'm talking more specifically about the Teton experience, but I think you could say it's the Ohio fellow program as a whole. Um, what they pull out of that is not something that can be easily boiled down to what we would call learning objectives that can be assessed through criterion-based assessment. But yet you and I both know as deans that that's the type of thing that we're asked to do. So how do you, how do you articulate, whether you're talking to the provost or um, I, I guess anyone, how do you justify what the university does to put into providing this opportunity, because it can't be assessed in the same way that you know a, a freshman cop or a public speaking class can be
2: assessed? That's right. Um, You know, one of the most interesting things about the the fellows is that we are blessed with a group of alumni who graduated in the early 1970s, late 1960s, who have gone through a very similar program such as what Delaney and Brendan are experiencing. And the success rate of those students is extraordinary. Um, In leadership, they have gone on to become – Extraordinarily important people in the arts, in our government, in our federal government. Um, outside of this country, they have been judges in Canada, uh, important business people, uh, real estate developers, all the same time remaining uh, a kind of very human individuals. And as I spoke to them 10 years ago, It kept coming back to the experiences they had as Ohio fellows. Again, nothing, something, not something that you can quantify, uh, that you can reflect back upon and say, here are the key elements. It was a totality of an experience. Um, And so, our intention or our hope is that we're giving the opportunity to do that to these students. Um, sometimes to point out to our administrators that these Ohio fellows, alums, have now become major donors to the institution and have done significant things with their lives mm-hmm. and helped our society, helped in the sciences, uh, is 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 an argument towards these kinds of programs. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good, um, Josh. I want to throw the last question to you. I, I've known you for uh, about twenty hours, right? <laughs> yep. um, but it strikes me in, in that twenty hours, um, the two times we've been together, that you obviously are very passionate about this. That you speak about this more than just you've got a job at a at a school. I mean, I can tell this is a part of your DNA. Can Can you think about like one time that you've been out with a group and? You um, have seen a learning experience that sort of profoundly struck you that this is the right way to do this. I mean, that's a weird question, I know, but, but I know that learning can be transformative for the students, but learning experiences can also be transformative for the teachers. Yep. Can you tell me about one of those experiences?
3: Yeah, could I, could I speak to two? Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. And so uh, interestingly, uh, th- this is, this is uh, such a point of passion for me because I, I'm an alumni of Teton Science Schools programming. So in 2002, 2003, I went through our graduate program. And I, I can say from a personal perspective, it changed my life. I like to say it's where I grew up personally and professionally. And I, I had a, a phenomenal experience in undergraduate education with unbelievable professors uh, and meaningful, deep learning. And, and that year, immersed in, in a small, uh, intentional community focused on education in, in, in place and about place uh, was really transformative. So uh, I see it from that learner perspective, and I mm-hmm. think that's, uh, that's part of it. Um, and then uh, it, it's actually hard to, to pinpoint just one experience because I, I, I'm lucky to see it on a regular basis. I've, yeah. I, I come from, uh, the program world. So I used to teach in our graduate program. I used to direct field programs. And so my, my work in development is relatively recent, but still on a regular basis, I see where students are out in the field, in place, learning about place, uh, and, and the way in which they're engaging in their learning is different. They're more engaged in their learning, uh, the way in which they, uh, the way in which they take away learning and what they actually learn from those experiences is, is different, and then this idea of agency becomes real. and 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 so, just to give you a discrete example, I'm also a father of a Teton Science School student, mm-hmm. so I see my first grader come home from our journey school on a regular basis and talk about experiences she has in our communities. When when they went to the National Elk Refuge, and she talks about complex issues around elk feeding that uh, I don't think a first grader should necessarily <laughs> Necessarily be talking about um, but she is because she's out there in place learning about it from people who are deeply passionate about it so so um, i get to see it with ohio fellows boyd scholars who come out to our institution and sit on lobo hill that first time look across the landscape and start to explore patterns in the landscape and people's eyes shift i've seen it with you all right oh, yeah. it's just a different shift because you're looking at the landscape and trying to make meaning and understanding mm-hmm. i've seen it myself and then I, I get to see it on a regular basis with all of our students and then as a proud papa. (laughs) I get to see it with my daughter on a regular basis too.
0: The, the true test of whether it works is if your kid <laughs> likes it. Exactly. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, listen, um, Scott, Josh, and Brendan, I want to thank you for being here. And I'm going to butcher this, but Delaney, Dospadania, Am I close? Daspedania. Yeah, very good. Das. All right. Um, so I really do appreciate your time. And um, we, we are providing links in the text of the podcast um, to both the uh, Teton Science School and also the Ohio Fellows website so that if listeners to the podcast would like to learn more, um, they can find out at least how to get more information. Um, and also some contact information. Um, But it's been great learning about what you all experienced while you were there um, and also great learning about the thought that goes behind those learning experiences from Josh and um, Scott. Thank you for listening to Teaching Matters. It's produced by WOUB Public Media. You can always listen at woub.org. We're also available through several popular podcasting apps, including Google Play, iTunes, and NPR One. You can contact staff of the podcast with ideas, questions, or comments through our Facebook page. Simply search for Teaching Matters Podcast on Facebook. Like us, join the group, and be a part of the conversation. Our audio engineer today is Adam Rich. I'm Scott Titsworth. Have a great day.